to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here to review a really, really cool album. Uh, total spoiler alert, especially if you listened to yesterday's episode. I absolutely love this album. So there's, you know, we're just going to start off with that premise. Uh, if you didn't catch yesterday's episode, you may want to pause this one and go back and check out my interview with Arthur Brown himself. Uh, it, it was, uh, God, it was just amazing to get a chance to sit down and, and speak with him. And, uh, and Claire, of course, was absolutely lovely and a big part of his career. And, you know, it, it just to get to talk to somebody who's one of the musicians that if I think back furthest into my childhood, he would be one of those people that was like one of the very earliest influences for me. Uh, I would say along with probably the Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack and probably a, a couple of Motown 45s and, and, and uh, you know, various bits and stuff would have been my earliest, earliest influences in, in music. Uh, at that point, just as a fan of music, but would later on, obviously, like with me loving to do concept albums and things like that, um, would have uh, definitely been the, the forerunner of those ideas. But man, uh, what a nice guy. Just absolutely uh, excited about music and, and really uh, passionate about his career and uh, intelligent, funny, not uh, not the dark god of hellfire. Like you you get an interview with, um, you know, some of these people like Gwar, for example. I've seen a couple of interviews with Gwar and they just they stay in their character. They're who they are. They're always in their costumes. I, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of them outside of that. Not that I've really gone looking but uh you know arthur he's just sitting in his house he's he's got his uh his just hat on and not trying to be the god of hellfire just being arthur brown the guy and uh, i really i really enjoyed that i could have gone on talking to them for hours uh, quite honestly and um but you know we always want to be respectful of the time of our guests no matter how enjoyable it is but thus uh thus we are in the uh the eight days, which I think has now turned into nine straight days of podcasting, uh, which is fine. A little bit of uh work for me at the moment, but uh, you know, I'm enjoying it. This uh particular episode came courtesy of Cherry Red Records, letting me know about this re-release for Arthur's album Dance. And they sent it over to me to uh, to check out and do a review. I had seen that Arthur uh, had, had really recently been pumping up in, in the social media categories. He had started, you know, the Facebook page and the website and all that stuff, uh, started a mailing list. I got on that as soon as I saw that. And boy, I'll tell you, if you're if you're a fan, whether you're a fan already or a fan after this episode or, or just want to check it out. His email list is so nice. They don't bombard you with constant, you know, every day, here's what I'm doing. Or, you know, I have to tell you about something constantly. It's just these sort of random emails that you get. And they're just lovely. Uh, the one that he released yesterday as I'm uh, going over this, which was great. It was great timing because it was just a few hours before I interviewed him, was his thoughts on this album, which we also talked about in the interview. So I'm not going to go into all of that. Uh, I, I would just suggest listening to yesterday's episode. You can also watch it on YouTube. Uh, Arthur and Claire and I sitting around having a, a wonderful chat. Um, oh, man, such a great time. This was um, earlier today about, oh, what is it? Um... Well, I guess it would have been, well, almost a whole day ago, but uh, I had such a great time. I'm still smiling from that. But let's get into the album. So this album was released in 1975. 
Um, not quite the dark album that the crazy world of Arthur Brown was. This is a complete uh, departure. He talks about Stevie Wonder's involvement. There are a ton of people that play on this album. Um, instead of trying to go through all of them, what I have done is I have linked the Discogs page in the show notes. So you can go there and you can see um, the, uh, the the list of people that are documented as performing on it and being involved in it, producing and all that stuff. Discogs really does a, a great job with that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's all done by people and trying to reaccount um, history and things like that. So uh, I'll, I'll always leave a, uh, a margin of error available for it. But Discogs is really great about, um, about the quality of their uh, pages. So uh, go check that out so that you can see who played on what, who was uh, involved. It's quite a cavalcade of people. And I mean, you'll hear it in the music, uh, how talented these people are. Um, I'll probably say it about 50 times in this podcast, how much I love the bass. Uh, The bass is incredible on this album, had a couple of different bass players involved, but uh, yeah, just amazing. So if you're, if you're expecting like the dark uh, concept album story that we got from Crazy World of Arthur Brown, you're in for a big surprise because this is completely different. This is really um, just an homage to different styles of dance, which at the time, I mean, thinking about 1975, everything was very um, pigeonholed. You were a Cuban dancer or you were a Russian dancer or you were a German dancer. And, and everyone was was like, this is the one thing that you do, which is really weird, because if you think about actors uh, around that time, they still had to act, but they had to be able to dance and they had to be able to sing and, and come out and do a monologue. and. You know, all these things that are may or may not be part of the job were part of the job back then. You had to be a full entertainer. Um, That started to change as, you know, as television became more prominent. Um, You know, not everybody had to do all of those things. Some people just started acting. But we were coming out of that time where you really had to be an entertainer. And um, yeah, really just a fascinating time in our history. I was three when this album came out, so I was not um, I was not interested in uh, different styles of dance around the world or even in my own home. But this is a great album. So the album, the proper album, there are eleven tracks, and then the new uh, version from Cherry Red Records, there are seventeen. There are six. Uh, beautifully captured live tracks. I'm not going to go into those because, you know, as you guys know, in general, I don't really cover live stuff um, except for a couple of albums, but uh, we're going to, we're going to go over the 11 proper songs. What I will say about the live tracks is they are beautifully captured. Uh, The auto quality is absolutely fantastic. I I imagine they had to be board mixes uh, because they're just very, very pristine and uh, they were captured all in 1975. So, I mean, we had some pretty decent recording technology by then. Um, you got to figure that, uh, you know, Deep Purple's Made Japan was already out. Um, lots of live albums of, of quality were there, but the quality is certainly here. So I'm going to guess uh, this was a board mix. But let's get into the first song uh, of this wonderful, wonderful album. Very different. I was so pleasantly surprised when I started listening to it. The first song, which may be familiar, is called We Gotta Get Out of This Place.
Now, for those of you that are familiar with my album review uh, setup, uh, normally I start the song at the beginning, and a lot of times there's these long instrumental parts, and you don't even get to hear the singer in the first minute, or you're just barely getting the beginning of the singer. So what I'm going to do on this episode, because I really want to feature Arthur's sound, is uh, kind of just pick a spot in the song, which is somewhat close to the beginning, but where we also get to hear him. And for those of you who know the song uh, by The Animals, I love this version of it. Uh, you know, I, I normally love the first version I hear the most. We've talked about that many times on the show over the years. But uh, this is a, a rare occasion where I actually love this version a lot more than the original. Um, I like Arthur's style where he's, you know, kind of talking, kind of singing. It's, it's really something that's very unique to him, the way he does it. And uh, I think it suits this song well because it's, uh, it is a narrative, you know. Um, I like the straight beat of it. It's a little bit different. Um, the backing vocals are really soulful, really bring out uh, a, a, an element in the song that the original did not, which I like. Um, and this really kind of sets the premise for the overall sound of the album. I mean, obviously, this is a cover, but uh, in general, yeah, this is um, this is the way that the album is going to sound very clean. Um, I love a, a, another thing I, I should say an overall comment on the album is I love the use of synthesizers. I mean, 1975, we we had a good amount of synthesizers out by then. You're talking uh, Deep Purple's Burn came out in uh, 75. So if you're familiar with that album, you think of songs like A200 or Burn Itself and these wonderful little synthesizer sounds that were used on that album. Uh, this isn't, you know, 65 where synthesizers were really, really limited. We've got a lot of good stuff out at this point. Um, I would say, you know, some of it, honestly, better quality than what we have today. I think everybody's tri striving too much for everything to be crisp and clean and perfect and, and not human. And so uh, I really love this era of music when uh, we were starting to head into disco a little bit, getting a lot of flashy sounds coming from keyboard players. It was just a lot of fun. And there are some really, really cool, spacey, crazy tones on this album that I think uh, you know, even if they, if, if they had just been played as straight songs, I think it would have been a lovely album. But these just little pops of color here and there all over the place really add uh, a, a beautiful element to it. Uh, sometimes they're they're kind of shocking where they come in and you're like, wow, I did not expect that. Uh, and other times they just kind of blend in beautifully into the, the mix. So uh, a lot of fun to really explore if you're listening to the whole album. Uh, obviously, I, I play typically uh, clips that are around a minute or so, you know, between like 55 and, and a minute and five, uh, just depending on where the clip ends. But uh, yeah, this is a fun song. It's a great version. Um, Arthur's so passionate in these songs. You know, when he sings, he's one of those singers where you you don't feel like he's just singing the words, like he's not in the studio with a lyric sheet, just trying to get a good pitch and good feel. You feel like he's lived it. And maybe this part narration is, is a little bit of a key to that. But if you think back to my review of The Crazy World of Arthur Brown, it's, you, you feel like the story's really happening. And as I talked to him in the interview, there's only really you know, one person that has the stage presence, but I would say there's very few singers that I I really feel like they've lived it versus recanting a story or, you know, here's, here's a story that I heard. Let me tell you about it. Or, you know, let me tell you a story I wrote. Like, I feel very much like this is a personal thing. 
And uh, it takes a real skill to do that. I, another singer I could attribute that to, as I've said on the show, was uh, Reba McIntyre, you know, having written, I think, one song or, or so in, in her career. And you listen to all of her songs and a lot of them are in first person. And you really just get the feeling that, yeah, this is real. She lived this. And so that's one thing I, I really love about Arthur's performance um, on this album, uh, on really everything I've heard him do. Um, very strong talent. So that is We Gotta Get Out of This Place, a beautiful cover. We're going to get into uh, song two, which is actually my favorite on the album. Um, it's a seven and a half minute journey, but boy, it, it really does not feel like it at all. And this is called Helen with the Sun. lovely to hear Arthur sing with this gentleness, you know, when you hear the deep, rich tones of his voice, and you can hear it in his speaking voice as well, although his speaking voice is not uh, as as emphasized. But uh, you you just, it's just such a beautiful sound to hear him sing with that gentleness. Uh, the opening to the song and the overall mood of it actually reminds me a little bit of a Uriah Heep song uh, that would have been on the High and Mighty album called Weep in Silence. Um, I, and I love that mood. I, I very much love that. It feels almost like, uh, it, you know, it, I'm probably the only one that would feel this way, but it reminds me of Michigan in the autumn when we had uh, just those cloudy, drizzly days and you'd want a little bit of warmth, like you'd want some, you know, uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup or you'd want some hot chocolate just to warm you up a little bit, but you kind of enjoy the cold at the same time. This has that feeling to me and, and that may not make any sense to anyone on the planet, but me, and and maybe it won't even to me someday, but um, it's it's a comforting thing. I think is is what I'm trying to say. It just has this this warmth to it, and um, but a cool tone at the same time. I I really love the feel of the song. That's why it's my favorite on the album. Uh, performance wise, there's it's really powerful and gripping, and like I said, it does not feel at all like a seven and a half minute song. Not not even close. And I love that when I can get lost in a longer piece of music that isn't dynamic. You know, you'd think a, a slower piece like this, something that's just kind of, um, you know, got a mood and a feel to it, you'd think that that would get boring after a while, but it really doesn't. Um, I, I think back to some of Heap's longer songs like Salisbury or The Magician's Birthday, and, you know, we're talking 12 to, you know, 15, 16 minute songs, and they're typically uh, very dynamic, you know, very engaging the whole time with, with very little room to breathe. And that keeps you on the edge of your seat and it keeps it interesting and, and it makes the time go by faster. But this song, I don't know what it is. I just, it, it just does not feel like that long. And typically a, a song like this would get 
a little stale after three and a half, four minutes, especially looking at the bar and seeing how much more you have to go. But uh, for me, at least this one does not. So uh, I, I, you know, if, if I were ranking uh, songs in the album, which I don't typically do, uh, five stars, absolutely for this one. Uh, but we're going to move on to our next song, which is called Take a Chance. That's what I mean about the synths. Um, you know, that's, I think, a, a, what, a square wave synth. Um, nice little scale to, to go into the transition there, but uh, just, you know, out of the blue. So I, I really chopped the intro on this. I kind of moved it in so again, so we could feature Arthur's voice a little bit more. But there's this beautiful long intro. Uh, you just hear the tail ending of it. It's kind of tribal feeling uh, as it then the synthesizer comes in and the drums and everything. And we get into the song. Um, and again, as we hear in the fade out of this little segment that I'm playing, just that uh, merger of Arthur's voice and the choir singers is just so beautiful. It's a great balance. Um, this is one of those songs where, you know, I said I was going to say it 50 times on the show and I haven't said it since, but uh, I love the bass. The bass really stands out when you listen to that mix. Um, it's almost like it was mixed by a bass player who said the bass play is really good on this and we need to feature it um, because it really stands out. But it doesn't take over the mix by any means. The album's very well mixed, um, but the bass definitely does really stand out. The tone uh, is is phenomenal. It's it's deep and rich, but the playing it just it's right exactly where it needs to be. And and I love that about this album. Um, and amongst the different bass players, you know, the quality is the same through uh, every song, which is great because when you have different guys playing. You get different styles and different feels in that, but um, every song is individual on this album. Also, it's not like it's a rock album where you know you've got uh, you know three fast, heavy songs, two ballads, uh, a couple of you know medium tempo track fillers, and uh, it's not like that at all. Every song is very, very individual on this album, which is part of what I think makes it exciting too, because you're not it, it doesn't get stale the sound at all. Uh, but a very cool song. Really love the vocals on this one. And uh, yeah, I really just can't say enough good things about this album. Uh, adjectives are uh, a, a little uh, lost for me in the moment because I'm just enjoying the music, you know, uh, as one should. That's, the, that's why we listen to it. So we're going to move on to our uh, fourth song here. This one is called Crazy. Well, you're in a high dive, crazy. 
Crazy baking, sugar caking, earthy mother mine. I'm crazy about the way you shine. I'm crazy that you're all mine. I'm crazy about that lady of mine. Well, I, this is just a fun song, isn't it? Uh, it's very lighthearted. Um, the crazy synth sound uh, is what I love most about it. I think um, it just—it's so unexpected, and yet it really works. It's—it's um, it's a bizarre, bizarre sound, and I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it would have come from or how it was recorded. It definitely sounds like it was treated because I don't think they had just like straight patches like that at the point. So um, it was probably run through some kind of processing. But in any case, it just sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, Really just fun. You kind of know from the beginning of the song that you're going to get something just lighthearted and and joyful, um, which is always great to have on an album like this. You know, something that's a little bit more freeform and you're doing a variety of things, you want to have a couple of, you know, really lighthearted and fun numbers too. Definitely would be danceable, I think, uh, which is coming from someone who doesn't dance, but uh, I would think it would be in any case. But it's a fun romp, you know, uh, Arthur's voice on it is just really, um, it's great. It, it You just kind of feel like he's smiling through the whole thing, which I absolutely love. Um, you know, they they say, uh, what was it when when I was working for, you know, different corporate corporations over the years, some of them try that that method where they want you to put a mirror on your computer monitor so that you can see yourself when you're talking to customers or business partners or whoever on the phone. And they're like, you know, it, it says smile. People can can hear your your smile or something, you know, ridiculous phrases like that. And um, first of all, the last thing I want to do is look at myself all day. I've got better things to do. I'd rather stare out the window at a clear blue sky than look at myself. But uh, but but the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's very the idea behind it is very true, although it can be faked um, because I could I used to experiment with that. Actually, I would sit there with a scowl on my face, but I would make my voice sound happy and um, it worked. I mean, it, the end result is they feel what you give them. And it's not so much the expression, but for most people, their expression follows what they're feeling, right? So if they're angry, they're going to be scowling and you're going to hear that, that, you know, tension in their voice. So in general, yeah, it kind of works, but you could certainly be a bit of an actor and, um, you know, sit there with an angry look on your face, but deliver a uh, dialogue, which is very happy and supportive and jovial and whatever, because they can't see you. So basically they're feeling what you're giving them. And, uh, I think this is one of those times where I just, I just feel like, uh, you know, I can I can picture Arthur in the studio and he just gets behind the mic. And he's like, all right, we're doing this song and just has fun with it. Smiling the whole way through. That's what I feel in his vocal. And uh, between that and the synth, that's what makes crazy special. I was trying to think, too, while I was putting the clip together, I don't think I've ever written a song with the word crazy in the title. And that is a very common word for bands to use. Um, you know, Patsy Cline. Uh, Aerosmith, um, Heart, you know, but I don't, I don't think I ever have. So I don't know, maybe that's something I'm going to have to do, but I was thinking maybe somewhere in the, in the film score world, because with film score, you're writing just quick titles to, to identify the piece. 
And, um, you know, sometimes you're just writing numbers, you know, like simpty numbers or whatever. But usually I, I'll put a title on it for my own records anyway. And um, yeah, I don't think I've ever used crazy. I'll have to double check, but I don't think I have. Uh, but let's move on because this isn't about me. This is about this wonderful album called Dance and our next song, Hearts and Minds. This is a really cool dynamic song, especially musically. Um, you hear the pattern in the beginning. It makes you feel like it's an odd time signature, but it's not. Um, it actually follows through in 4-4. Four, four. But then uh, then the pattern changes when the vocals come in, and there's these beautiful ghost notes on the snare and just a, a different dynamic pattern. It's really interesting. And uh, I had to listen to this one you know, the first time I listened to the album, I had to listen to this one three times because I kept getting so caught up in the music that I actually wasn't paying any attention to the vocals. Uh, being a drummer, obviously the patterns interest me, um, especially because they're, they're just, they just have a different feel to them. They're played very beautifully by the drummer. And uh, of course the bass and, and drums together are just spectacular um, on this song. But yeah, it's got a really good feel to it. And then once I started paying attention to the vocals and realized that the dynamic that that adds to the song as well um, just got even better for me. So uh, this is definitely one of my favorites on the album. Um, I love the mood on, on it. This is one that I could just I could just lay back with the headphones on and just listen to it over and over and part listen to it for just the enjoyment and part listen to it to dissect it as a musician. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great track. Um, definitely a, a highlighter for me. Uh, although, like I said, I, I love the whole album. So to be fair, they're all great. But, you know, there's always those couple that you, all right, I want to hear this one again. All right, I want to hear that one again. You know, and and you go back to those songs more so than the others. And uh, Helen with the Sun and Hearts and Minds are definitely uh, at least two of those for me on this album. So that brings us to uh, the middle of the album here. We're hitting track six. This is uh, the title track, Dance.
I went in a little different direction on this clip. Um, I thought about starting it in farther, but the fade is so nice. And just hearing those solo uh, backing vocals was just beautiful. That was really uh, something that really brought me back to when I was working on Uriah Heap, the Magician's podcast and a song like Sunrise, where you just have those isolated backing vocals. Uh, When I say isolated, I mean apart from the lead vocal, not apart from music. But you have those vocals uh, that just come in without a lead vocal, and they just kind of stand on their own. And um, Sunrise was definitely one of those songs. But this is, it's just beautiful. Um, I think Glenn Hughes would probably say, damn funky. Uh, Does have a great rhythm section to the song. Uh, Love the Rhodes on this one, the Rhodes piano. And then there's just these little inflections of synthesizers and things that come in. But it's got a great feel to it. It's intriguing. Um, Certainly something I could see being danceable, but in in sort of a classical way. And uh, it's got it's just got such a, a warmth to it. And I love the opening lines from from Arthur, you know, just kind of inviting somebody to just, you know, just come here and dance with us for a minute. And let's see where this goes. I, I really love that feeling. I, I wanted to play more of the song, to be honest. But, you know, my rule, I stick to the one minute ish clip. And so uh, this should possibly further tempt you to just go get the album because it's really good and you should. Um, yeah, a great song. And another one where just the mood is is just fantastic. And I, I love that I'm actually reviewing this in the fall because this definitely has that autumn feel to me. Um, I, I remember when uh, Deep Purple's album Whoosh came out a couple of years ago and um Originally, it was supposed to come out earlier in the summertime, but because there were all those delays, it didn't come out until August, I think. And um, immediately when I heard the song, Nothing at All, I felt this is autumn. You know, this is the chill of autumn. Uh, Even though it's got a warmth to it, it just feels like the change of seasons. And it turns out the song was about the change of seasons. But this has that same feel to me. It has that autumn, little bit of crispness in the air, but still warmth in the room kind of feel. Um, which I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite. Um, it, it's not something you can write. I don't think. I think it's just something that happens. But it's it's that's definitely my one of my favorite feels for a song. And uh, so this would be another one that's just right up there uh, amongst the top. <laughs> I mean, by the time we get to the end of the album, they're all going to be the best song in the album. The way we're going. Uh, so let's move on to the next one and see how we feel about that one. This is called Out of Time. for being out of time, this has got such a happy feel to it. I mean, out of time typically sounds stressful or, you know, disconcerting or, you know, all that pressure trying to get something done before it's too late. But this has just got such a party vibe to it. I I really love that. 
This is going to sound strange, and I don't mean uh, any disrespect to the song whatsoever, uh, but this actually feels like it could have been, you know, you listen to that first 30 seconds or so, and it really could have been the opening to like a 70s sitcom. That music is just, it's lively, it's fantastic. You've got a little bit of vocals cutting in there uh, that just kind of give you a, a little bit of inflection of what the song it feel is going to be. But uh, yeah, it just, it's such a party vibe. I really feel like it could have been a theme song. Um, yeah, the song itself though, uh, it is great. Um, I love the, uh, again, another jovial one, uh, where you get, you get some different moods, but, uh, overall, I think it, it feels really good to me. And it's another one that I just, it, you, you can't help but to smile as soon as it starts up. You can't, I mean, it's just, it's fun. It's just a fun tune. Um, so before I dwell on that too much, which I could easily do, <laughs> Uh, we're going to move on, I think, to our next song. This is going to be song number eight out of 11. Gosh, this, we're almost done with the album, guys. This has been uh, this has been a fun journey for me. Uh, this one is called Quietly with Tact. Now, I'm just going to say, uh, just taking the title by itself, not associating with the music or anything, this is such a lost art. I don't think people understand what tact is anymore. And, and that's sad because that really should be one of our foundations of how we present ourselves and how we treat each other and, and that. So, um, you know, it's uh, d- the title. It almost sadly feels antiquated in today's society. And it shouldn't. Uh, that should be, like I said, a foundation. So let's check out the song, though, and see what that's all about. Here it is, Quietly with Tact. This is just another beautiful song that I could just let go on forever. Um, the mood of it that um, I, I can't remember what they um, what they called that back in the fifties, like that doo wop did did feel to it. Um, really, really cool though. Uh, I, I love his voice on this. I love the the it, it almost. I, I want to say mystery of the song. You know, wondering where it's going, how it's going to get there. Um, but, but just the, the feel of it, the enjoyment of listening to Arthur on this again, kind of talking, kind of singing, just that beautiful style of his that he's got that really no one else could have done the song quite this way. And, uh, yeah, another one I highly enjoy, but that, um, one and a two and a kind of beat, uh, really adds a nice dynamic. It's great for dancing. I mean, it's a waltz pattern, but, um, yeah, and the the combination of him again, him and the the backing vocalist is just magical, and uh, another wonderful track on this album. God, I feel like I'm just so upbeat and positive about every single track. It's because I'm so upbeat and positive about every single track. It's just the way it is. 
So we've only got a couple more. Unfortunately, we're going to move on now to track number nine. This one is called Soul Garden. Let's talk about that wonderful rhythm section. Uh, the reggae feel of the song is absolutely fantastic. I love that second note, though. You know, it's not just on the one. It's like the one and one or one and two and three and just that little extra note that's played after the main note on the guitar, which I really like, brings out a nice dynamic. Uh, the reggae beat on the drums is really cool. Um, bass, definitely feeling it. Uh, and again, another sort of talking vocal from Arthur, but his style suits every one of these different song styles, which is great. I mean, a lot of times singers can sing rock really well, but they can't sing pop or they can't sing country. And, and that's all well and good. Uh, nothing wrong with that at all. But Arthur just feels so versatile. Uh, every one of these songs, he's just fit into beautifully, regardless of the style of music. And um, I, I really like that. But yeah, this is just another another fun song. You know, it's good to hear some reggae. If you're going to do an, an album about dance, you got to have a little bit of that, right? Um, especially if it's if it's not just one like this is Cuban dancing or this is Latin dancing or this is German dancing. This is, you know, a, a celebration of dance around the world. So what would that be without a little bit of reggae in there? And of course, Arthur and I talked about how different it was back in those days, uh, the way that reggae was looked at, too. So this is a really nice um, precursor. And then you think about a band like The Police and what they did with reggae. And you just see this wonderful progression of people taking something and making it their own and turning it into something new and unique instead of just saying, OK, we have rock, we have pop, we have metal, we have reggae, we have country, and just limiting it to those. There's all these crossovers and beautiful new creations in music. And, uh, you know, 75, I wouldn't say... Nothing had been done before it quite like this, but I would say there's very little, if much, um, that, that was available before this. I think this is a very creative and unique album. Um, 75, there was a lot of experimental stuff that came out in the 60s, I think. I don't think much with reggae that I can, I can really think of. Police came along a little bit later, but uh, definitely a beautiful and, and just elegantly performed song. And reggae is not always the easiest to capture. It can be uh, it can be really stale because you just get in that groove and you get stuck in it. And you don't know where to go. So uh, I, I would say this is a very well written and well performed song. You know, along with all of them, really. So that uh, yeah, I, I really like that one. Uh, like everything else, I've been saying. So you know, Soul Garden, beautiful piece of music, and you know, on theme. I think with reggae, that title. Uh, so let's move on to song number ten. This is called "The Lord Will Find a Way." Thank you. 
Yeah, this one uh, has such a killer groove to it. Um, very upbeat, uh, very fun, great bass line. I mean, this is the kind of funky bass lines that I really loved from the 60s and the 70s. And, uh, you know, some of it through the disco era, some of it through the rock era. Uh, this song also, it feels a little bit gospel, I think, because part because you're talking about the Lord, but part just the the way the backing vocals come in feels a little bit more gospel choir than it does on some of the other songs, but there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think it's a, it's a nice change. Again, every song is so individual on this album and this song just takes another direction again, very danceable, uh, a lot of fun, um, great vocal of, of course, but these songs are just, they're just, uh, you know, from one to the next, you're like, Part of you or part of me says, okay, I just listened to that song, but it was so much fun. I want to hear it again. But I also know the next song is going to be a lot of fun and I want to hear that. So do I listen to that song again or do I move on to the next song? Because either way, I know I'm going to enjoy my time. And uh, you don't always get that. But this album, I feel like every song has hit that for me. Um, Just a, a great fun song and a great fun album, I have to say. I was so, I really didn't know what to expect, to be honest, going into this one. Um, But it just such a pleasant surprise. And I hope that you guys are enjoying checking out these clips. Again, as always, highly encourage you to go check out the full album. I've got links in the show notes, because of course I do. And also links to all of Arthur's social media pages. Go to his website, sign up for his mailing list. It is, I promise you, it is uh, a joy and absolutely worth it. So that brings us to our last song, guys. It does. This one is called, Is There Nothing Beyond God? Well, I said that kind of metal, did I? I've been doing that a lot lately, and I don't know why. I, I'm not trying to be dramatic or overdramatic. Uh, it just kind of happens. There's a review coming up. Uh, I, d- I think it's one I've done in advance, and uh, I did that on like every song. So we'll, we'll get to that, and you'll see. I don't know why I'm doing it. But anyway, here's the song.
you know, I didn't, um, I meant to ask Arthur about this one and I just, just lost that question somewhere in the, in the conversation. Cause I was having such a good time talking to him. Um, I feel like this could be one that was put on, you know, the, the vocal was recorded and they just put on a loop and the band kind of just jammed around it at a certain tempo. Uh, it, it has that feeling of just open free form musicianship. And I really like that um, with maybe some overdubs, but I don't know if it was recorded that way or not, but that's a feeling that I get from listening to the song. I love the the openness of it though. I, I love the mood. This is another one that really has that sort of gray autumn tone to it for me. Uh, the guitars are beautifully done. I mean, I love that psychedelic sound really adds that, um, that ethereal feel to it, but it's uh yeah, it's a great song. And you know, the, the question he's just kind of throwing it out there. Is there nothing beyond God? We don't know. Uh, it's really going to come down to your own beliefs and, and feelings and whatever you're, you're taught or grew up believing or whatever you're programmed with is going to lead you to that answer for yourself. Cause we don't know. There's no way to know. But yeah, this is just a beautiful journey. This is another one. And it kind of reminds me, I was trying to think of which song it was. Um, I want to say it's a faster tempo uh, than this one, but I want to say Jimi Hendrix's Third Stone from the Sun, where it just has that sort of open jam feeling. And and it's just this, like you could just put the headphones on and just let the song take you where it's going to take you. Um, This one's got some nice dynamics to it, some really good playing. It's very patient which I like. Uh, it's a great album ender because it makes me just want to immediately go back and, and listen to the first song again and take the whole journey of the album with, you know, with We Gotta Get Out of This Place and just go through every song one more time. Um, yeah, it's a really good one. I really enjoy the song. And this this is the kind of music that's so much in my wheelhouse anyway. You know, for me, writing a lot of new age and ethereal music, um, this is the kind of song that I just eat up all day long. Uh, but you can't eat a song, Kevin. You can't eat a song. Uh, so, uh, yeah, great album. Uh, thanks to my friends over at Cherry Red Records for giving me this one to review. Thank you, Arthur Brown and everyone who was involved in this project for creating such a beautiful album, for really giving us a world tour of dance. Uh, certainly a highly enjoyable album. I really hope that you guys go and get it and check out the full thing. A uh, little bit of a spoiler alert in this clip that I'm playing for this song right after this clip ends. Song uh, has a little surprise in it for you. So check that out. Check out the album. Check out Arthur Brown's catalog. Sign up for his mailing list. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Go check out his YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. I promise he does not just bombard you with content like so many people do. It's a it's a nice stream. It's like enough to go, oh, there's a new video. Let me go check it out instead of, oh, God, here's another one I can't keep up. Not at all like that. Uh, it's very, very tasteful, very considerate of the fans and the fact that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing. Uh, they're not going to pummel us with content, which is great. Uh, if you're in the uh, UK or around that area, go check him out on tour. Tour dates are on his website. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, like we talked about in his interview, hopefully we'll get the chance to see him back here in America before too much longer. That's that. That's that, guys. That's the album. Um, thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Go get the album. Links are in the show notes. As always, thank you, Arthur. Thank you, Claire, for a wonderful interview. If you guys didn't listen to that yet, go check that out. Links in the show notes and have a great day. Cheers. Cheers.